Tell Us Something brings the community together. Tell Us Something fosters connection in the community through shared stories. The pandemic of 2020 prevented us from hosting any in-person events. We live-streamed three events. But the lost revenue from the in-person live shows really hurt Tell Us Something. Now, more than ever, Tell Us Something needs your help to keep the lights on. Donate to Tell Us Something during Missoula Gives on May 6th and 7th. Welcome to Tell Us Something. I cannot wait to say that again to you in person. And I miss you. I miss you. I miss the audience. I miss the interaction. Last year, we were walking into 2020 with a We have a new fan. Tully! Last year we went into 2020 with a lot of momentum. We were about to have a statewide tour to celebrate our 10th anniversary. We had our first in-person fundraising event at the Top Hat in February, and thank you to everyone who donated to that. And then, well, we all know what happened in March. And we were unable to host any live in-person events, which is where we get most of our revenue. But we were able to host three live streaming events. And the storytellers who participated in that, some of them were so generous to donate the payment that Tell Something usually gives to the storytellers back to the organization. You know, all the storytellers get paid at Tell Us Something. The American Sign Language interpreters get paid at Tell Us Something. The artists who design the posters get paid at Tell Us Something. And we were able to host three live streaming events. The first one was on Facebook Live. About 800 or so folks showed up. The next one was on YouTube Live. About 400 or so folks showed up. I can't remember where the next one was, um, but about 200 people showed up for that. You can go look at all of those on Tell Us Something's YouTube channel or at least listen to them on tellussomething.org. We were able to pivot the podcast and I started to interview storytellers and get insights into their stories and understand a little bit more about them and where they're at right now. And then on the podcast, we would then play their story. Tell Us Something was then able to start doing corporate storytelling events and also expand that into free events at Humanities Montana and we had drop-in storytelling workshops on Saturdays every week throughout the winter. One of those storytelling events uh, that we had as a result of the workshops, I'm gonna play for you in just a minute. Uh, just, just a piece of it, one of the stories. I would invite you, please, to support Telesumming during Missoula Gives we need your help to keep the lights on. The revenue from the live events isn't there, and we will be back. We will share stories again in person. I don't know when that's gonna be, but we still have expenses, and your help is essential in the continuation of Tell Us Something in this community 
to help people get their stories heard. So right now, let's listen to Becca Furcht, who participated in the very first uh, storytelling intensive workshop that Tell Us Something offered way back in April of 2020. Becca Frucht is a self-ascribed tumblewood, tumbleweed queen whose eclectic personal and professional journey has taken her from the red carpet to the Rocky Mountains. After a decade of big city adventures, she blew up her urbanite existence to live and work on an 87,000 acre ranch and has been exploring the intersection of open range and open minds ever since. She is a program officer with AMB West Philanthropies, the Arthur M. Blank Family Foundation's Montana-based endeavor, where she helps support and evaluate West Creek Ranch, an inspired retreat, uh, an inspired retreat and think tank space. Becca also moonlights as an amateur cowgirl karaoke professional, conservation cheerleader, and unicorn believer. Please welcome Becca Frucht. So about two months ago, the snow was just starting to melt um, around my town. And I walked out of the front door of my new house. I just moved here in July. And there was a notice from the city of Livingston and I opened it up and it said, there's a tree marked with a red line on your property. We've decided it's a public hazard and we're going to be cutting it down. If you have any questions, call Eric. So I didn't even need to look around my property to figure out which tree that was. I knew exactly what it was. I was looking at it from my front porch. Um, it must have been a really impressive, beautiful cottonwood in its prime, but now it's arguably dead. And it's kind of got the, you know, it's that, those amputations where they've taken down limbs over the years that were dangerous and um, big chunks of bark that are falling off and sort of littering the ground around it, but it has this big, beautiful trunk. And um, it really must have been a beautiful tree. So it was still, of course, sad to think about, uh, but I went ahead and gave Eric a call and we immediately fell into like comfortable small town chatter. I didn't know what he looked like, obviously, but he sounded like an older gentleman and was really kind. And he told me, you know, a police officer recently had a tree fall in his car and um, the insurance company called it an act of God and refused to pay. And if you've ever like experienced the wind in Livingston, it is pretty much an act of God, but still totally unfair that the insurance company wouldn't pay. And anyways, he had to sue the city to get money. I mean, Eric's explaining all of this drama to me. So that is why they're being so proactive about any of the trees that might be a liability around Livingston. And ours is one of them. And I said, you know, old trees are a lot of habitat for birds. And he agreed, but he reminded me that if we didn't take down the tree using the city right now, then possibly later down the road, it would come out of our pocket to handle it if it became an issue. So when I talked to my boyfriend later that night about the notice and the tree coming down, we agreed that it probably was time for, for the tree uh, to come down. But before the city could uh, cut down the tree, the world kind of came crashing down around all of us with this coronavirus pandemic. And suddenly my world shrunk to the footprint of my yard and our, our home, our house. 
And I'm a very extroverted person. I'm like 150% extrovert. I take any of those personality tests and I'm like off the charts on that. I get my energy from other people. I like thrive in human chaos. So this lockdown, this social isolation is really hard for me. And it makes me feel (laughs) weird and heavy. I call it the Corona coaster, like just up and down, like all over the place. Um, And I, yeah, I was, I was, I've, I've been struggling. And so one of the things I would do is uh, during this pandemic is I wake up in the morning and I look out of my bedroom window and there is that old dead cottonwood. And while the rest of the world is seemingly on lockdown and it's shutting down, this tree is coming to life and it's not greening up, but all of these birds have showed up, all these migratory songbirds, and they are all over this tree and they're Twitter pated and it's springtime and they're getting busy. I mean, like literally getting busy. I'm watching these birds mate and their little nut hatches and starlings and they're building nests. And I'm so jealous of these birds who they have no concept of a worldwide pandemic of a virus and they're canoodling and hanging out. And all I want to do is the same thing with all my friends. Um, And I'm not the only one in my home who is enamored with all the avian activity on the old tree. My two cats are enthralled and they sit transfixed by the window, like watching all the birds doing their thing. Um, And that would be fine, except my cats are indoor. They're indoor kitties. And they are because I philosophically, I really believe that cats should stay indoors because one, I, I just would be devastated if they got hit by a car. And two, they kill a lot of native wildlife. And I named my cats after famed conservationist authors, Aldo Meowapold and Ralph Waldo Emmerpus, the conservationists. So clearly I cannot let these cats out, even though they are meowing like crazy, because I guess the birds have like, I don't know, caused some sort of primal need to be free. Um, and I'm working from home, right? So I'm on Zoom calls all the time. And there's just constant, incessant meowing in the background. So I came up, I had a stroke of genius, two birds, one stone, for lack of a better saying, because my boyfriend also needed a pandemic project because he was kind of going a little stir crazy like we all are. And I thought, okay, there's a way to solve this kitty meowing issue and give him a project. And it's this structure that we decided to build, um, or rather that I convinced him to build. It's um, this tunnel that kind of comes out of one of our windows and goes into this enclosure that's like all this chicken wire. It's basically a kitty coop. And so they can like autonomously go out of the house through the little tunnel. And then they're out in the sunshine and the fresh air and they can hear the birds, but they cannot get out. They can't go out there and um, cause any sort of feline chaos. So the catio is what we call it. And of course, while we're building this, my partner's cussing me the whole time. And my neighbors are like, what is going on over there? And we're all actually interacting in some ways from across the street more than we ever had been prior to the pandemic, right? We're all stuck at home. And there, um, and I had been posting on Instagram an entire long story about uh, my boyfriend building this catio. And one of my newest neighbors, Craig, hit me up on Instagram and was like, what is that? What, what's going on over there? Um, and I told him we were building a catio and he was like, this is so amazing. I work in conservation. I love birds. Nobody ever cares about the birds. And this is, I, I, I'm totally supportive. I've seen these things on the internet and I can't believe y'all are actually doing it. And I was like, do we look like right trash? And he was like, no, it's great. Everyone loved the catio. So I felt so affirmed and seen. And we struck up this like really wonderful relationship. 
Um, and I also told him, I was like, you know, this, this cottonwood that's home to all of these lovely birds that are nesting, it's got that red line on it because the city is going to come out and cut it down. And he's like, well, maybe, maybe they forgot about it because obviously everybody's priorities have shifted with this pandemic. But about two weeks ago, um, I woke up, the Corona coaster hit. I was in a low place. And um, I just felt heavy and I made the mistake of not watching the birds enough and went straight to social media and that didn't help. Um, And I ended up watching this like video on police brutality. It wasn't even on the pandemic and I just was sobbing. So I did the thing that felt like an overdramatic solution to feeling like crap. And I put on Robin's song, Dancing on My Own. I don't know if y'all know it, but it is a banger if you are feeling depressed and also need to dance. So I'm cranking this and I'm crying in my kitchen and I'm just, yeah, not feeling uh, like myself. Um, And I go out of my front door and there is a notice and it's from the city and it says, we're cutting down the trees uh, tomorrow or Friday. Uh, so please, please move your car, call Eric. If you have any questions and I just, uh, I pick up the phone, I call Eric and he says, Oh, I'm, I'm actually outside. I'm checking out your tree that we're going to cut down. So I rush back out. I'm in my pajamas because while well, I've been in my pajamas through the entire pandemic, except for now, I have an excuse to dress up. And I um, go and find Eric and he's kind of how I imagined like a kind looking older gentleman. He's in a beat up Carhartt. He's got a beat up uh, truck and we stand six feet apart, of course. And I say, does it, does it have to happen right now? And he, and he says, well, the trees, we usually do wait um, until the fall, but you know, we're being really proactive. Like I told you after that incident, I'm like, well, maybe you can just trim some of the the limbs. And he's like, well, that costs just as much as cutting it down. And at this point, I'm just like, I, Eric, I can't stomach watching this tree come down right now. I really need this tree to stay. And can we, can we, can we save it at least till the fall? And of course, and I'm crying like I'm crying right now. And this poor sweet man is like, okay. We, we can do that. <laughs> Why don't you ask your neighbors because it's hanging into your next door neighbor's yard and let me know. I've got to go do my rounds. We're cutting down other trees today, but call me and just let me know. And the poor man, I mean, I was just like a wreck. <laughs> so he drives away. I immediately start texting Craig. I'm like, hey, I think I've sweet talked um, the city into not cutting down this tree. What do you think? I know we all kind of know it's a hazard. And he's like, go, viva the tree, like save it. Um, and then I know I have to make a phone call to my next door neighbor where the tree is really close to her house um, and Jenny. And she's a recent widow, um, lovely woman in this purple house that I'm very envious of. Um, and I've never actually called her um, uh, before. We've only ever talked over the fence. So I called her and I got her voicemail and it said, you've reached Jenny, leave a message for me and look for Walt and the stars. So now I'm like crying again because of this sweet message. Finally, she calls me back and I tell her, look, um, there's a chance we can we can save this tree and leave it up at least through the spring so these birds can nest. I mean, every, like, just can we like, what do you think? And she said, you know, the the tree did have some branches that fell on my, almost fell on my car a couple years back, but you're right. There's so much life in that tree and those birds are all nesting and you know, we're not supposed to be having evictions right now anyways. So I trust you, you make the decision. 
Uh, so I got on the phone, rang up Eric. This is all happening so quickly. And I told him, we're going we're gonna to let it stand. We want the tree to stay, at least until the fall. And he said, okay. And it was just this incredible, like, felt like this small victory of hope and so much hurt that we've all been experiencing. And I immediately text Craig and was like, oh, you know, we save the tree. Hope springs eternal. And he um, he wrote me back. He's, you know, I have a top secret mission for you, too. And I was like, gosh, what else could be happening with birds and trees at this point? So he calls me and Craig says, my girlfriend and I, we we got engaged during the Biden Bernie Sanders debate with all this pandemic craziness. We just looked at each other and we were like, the world is nuts and we want to be together and we want to be together now and, and make it official. And they want to leave it as a surprise for the rest of their family and friends, but they just they want to do it as soon as possible. And they asked me to marry them. And so now I'm crying again. And it's just like, I'm so, I mean, like such joy in being able to take part of that. So this past Friday, we walked down to the Yellowstone River and they were in their finery and they had a bouquet and um, we um, helped uh, his, his girlfriend walk on the rocks and her heels so that we could stand next to the water. And I read a poem that they um, had selected about a goldfinch falling in love with a sunflower. And it was just perfect standing by the Yellowstone in our chapel of love made of old dead trees. Thank you. Thanks, Becca. That was awesome. I'm so glad that you were able to do that. Again, I'm so grateful for everyone who loves Tell Us Something and supports Tell Us Something. If you participated as a listener in one of the live streams events last year in, in 2020 and were unable to donate last year, I encourage you to donate right now during Missoula Gives. We had, I think, like I said, 800, 400, and 200. What's the math there? Upwards of 2,000 people. I would say maybe 40 people of those donated to help sustain Tell Us Something during the live stream. So if you found that valuable, if you were a listener during those live streams, if you find the workshops valuable, if you find value in storytelling in your community, when we can come back in person, we will. But if you find value in that, please donate during Missoula Gives. I'm so grateful to you. Thank you so much for your generosity. And we'll see you in, again in person when it's safe. <laughs>